The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. Have you ever felt stuck or trapped doing what you're doing? Do you dream of doing something else but just can't seem to press that go button? If so, you're in for a real treat today. Lean in as our guest, Bree Noble, shares how she found a way to quit her day job as Director of Finance to follow her heart and establish a successful career and business in the music industry. Welcome, Bree. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, Bree. Now, Bree, you've been quoted as saying musicians are very similar to entrepreneurs in lots of ways, and our mission here is to help our listeners reclaim their freedom, whatever that means for them. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and what tips you have to inspire, educate and support our listeners to have the faith and the courage to follow their heart if that's what they want to do. But first, let me share a little of what you've been able to achieve since giving up your finance director role. After a successful run as a touring singer-songwriter, you founded Women of Substance Radio to promote quality female artists in all genres. The daily podcast of the same name hit number one in New and Noteworthy in all three of its categories and number four audio podcast on all of iTunes. On your second podcast, Female Entrepreneur Musician, also number one in New and Noteworthy, you conduct interviews with successful indie, and for our listeners, that's independent, female artists and industry pros that are both inspirational and informational. And drawing on your extensive experience, you've created online courses to help musicians learn to make a living from their music. Your most popular offering is an online training and mentoring community exclusively for female musicians called the Female Musician Academy. So Brie, we all like a good story. Tell us what happened. What were you feeling when you were employed as a director of finance in the corporate world and what happened to give you the courage to pursue your dreams? Oh my goodness, it's it's quite a story. So I actually worked as director of finance at an opera company. So I was lucky because I was still working in the music industry, um, but it still was very much of like a corporate environment. And um, so I had actually gotten a double degree in music and business in college. And I really intended to become a musician. I kind of fell back on finance because I didn't know how to pursue the music and I just I was you know pretty scared to like go out there and do that with no backup plan Uh so my backup plan was was finance and that's where I ended up and 
you know, I was I was good at my job, and I loved loved working with the people, and I love working at an opera company. But um, the whole time, first of all, I'm working at a company of creatives, so I'm around all these people who are pursuing their creative dream. They are, you know, artists that are on the stage. They're, um, you know, maybe lighting designers or set designers that are doing what they love to do, and I was doing what I was good at but not what I love to do Uh so that was kind of hard you know hanging out with all these creative types who are out there on the stage and I'm thinking to myself I wish I could be out there and I didn't want to sing opera Uh but I wanted to do kind of what they were doing and so I was always kind of pursuing this in the background and on the side and trying to figure out how I could make a career in music so I could exit my job but I just never figured it out. I joined a bunch of bands. They didn't work out. Um, you know, tried a bunch of different things. And at one point, I just got so stressed out in my job. Um, and maybe some of you guys listening can relate. Like, it wasn't the music that pulled me out. It was something else that pushed me out so I could pursue my passion because I'd been trying to do it on the side and it just wasn't happening. But until I was kind of forced to leave by my own circumstances and my own you know, body even, just like having health issues because of the stress of working at an opera company, which means you're a nonprofit, you're run entire, almost entirely on donations. And you know, when the economy crashes, when you're in kind of that... Um, dot com area and everybody that used to give you money now doesn't give you money and you're afraid you're not going to be able to make payroll the next week for the opera and it might not go on stage you know that's the kind of stress that I was under Mm -hmm. and it eventually took its toll on me you know I had my first child and during this time the stress of the money at work was so much that it just it hit me and I ended up in the hospital and at that point, I thought, you know what, I need to, to reevaluate. Like, at this point, I don't care if we have to move into a tiny two-bedroom house, you know, and I have to, you know, not have any of the luxuries that I'm used to. I'm, I can't handle this situation. Like, my health is failing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what pushed me out onto the limb of saying, I need to leave my job. Even though I had a really great salary, um, I really was working for a great company, but the stress level was just too much. So once I did that, that was when it, it opened up that time freedom for me to be able to really dig into figuring out how to make a career in music. Because while I was trying to do both, I just wasn't going to have the time and the bandwidth to figure out how to make it happen. So basically, I was pushed out on the limb, I jumped out, and at that point, it gave me the freedom to finally pursue my passion. And whether I had waited until, you know, the weight of not pursuing my passion had overcome the other things, I don't know if I would have ever left. So I'm really thankful, actually, for having the health crisis because it caused me to move in a different direction and having the, you know, just that, that cushion of having that money and that good salary, I may have just stayed complacent for way too long. 
Oh, and what you're saying, I think it, it, lots of people can resonate with that because we tend to hold on to what you call there the cushion, you know, that we have the good job and we have the nice money and we have our luxuries and yet you've, you've got this longing, this passion that's calling you and um, and as you say, you know, the stress of it and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners can relate to the stress of making payroll and uh, you know lots of stress that goes along with the finance of running a business as well as a not-for-profit and the other thing that I heard that you said there too was that when you did your uh, double majors in music and business there was no backup plan and then your backup plan was the business and the finance and you know a similar thing happened for my husband his parents said to him uh, get a trade in Australia you know that was like working in industry because you'll always have it to fall back on but the problem with that is that that's what you tend to do you always tend to fall back on it instead of going for what you want and um, yeah I just love what you're sharing here because it, it takes a lot of guts a lot of courage to be able to say no it's not what I want and I'm listening to my health I'm listening to my body and uh, good on you so what tips then do you have for our listeners who might be feeling the same or contemplating making a change? Well, even though I was kind of pushed out by my own health, I did create an exit plan. And I think that's so important because you don't want to just like get to the end of your rope and then leave on bad terms because the way that I created my exit plan, it actually allowed me to continue to work for that company for another 10 years. Wow. So, yeah. So, first of all, what I did was I started thinking about how I could make it happen, like, financially. And I started realizing that I had a huge asset. And at that time, we owned a house in Orange County, California. And I went down the street to a uh, open house. And I just said, you know, how much are you guys asking for this house? And when they told me, I, like, was floored. I had no idea that houses in my neighborhood were worth that much. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking outside the box of like, well, there's no reason I have to stay here. Why can't I move? We can move closer to my husband's job. The houses there are cheaper. And it would reduce a lot of stress for him and his commute. And so I just started thinking outside of what I normally would have thought. Like, there's no reason why I can't move. So that was kind of the first thing that I started figuring out like that's my exit plan. Okay, well I can get this money out of my house and then that will be like my cushion, uh -huh. my fallback. And then at work, you know, I went and I talked to my boss about it. I was very open and he, um, you know, allowed me to hire my replacement. Uh -huh. And when I did that, because I had generated such goodwill with her hiring her, um, and, and I hired a really good replacement for myself. So what ended up happening was, as I was teaching her in the transition, the other people in the company started to realize what a great employee she was, and they started asking her if she could take on more responsibilities. Well, when she did that, she's like, I can't do all of this and everything that you did. So you already know how to do these things. Why don't you keep doing these things remotely? Mm -hmm. So I actually, by hiring a really good replacement for myself and having a good relationship with her, I managed to create a part-time job for myself that I did entirely over the computer for 10 years. 
That is amazing. And I love that you were able to think outside the box there and then by hiring somebody really good because the temptation might be to hire somebody who's not so good so that, you know, makes you look good. <laughs> but right. In fact, it worked the other way for you. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it ended up working out so well. And I hadn't known that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I had assumed I'd was be I would be in transition for like two months and that's it. But... Mm-hmm. You know, it just worked out so wonderfully. Yeah, wow. So, Brie, what would you say, like how are musicians like entrepreneurs and in what ways do their business models differ? Well, I think they're a lot like entrepreneurs in that they are creatives. So most entrepreneurs are very much idea people. Um, Musicians are idea people that put those into songs usually. Um, They're not usually as good at the concrete stuff as far as like running their business, marketing, um, or at least maybe they have good marketing ideas, but actually putting them into practice, just the nuts and bolts stuff. Mm -hmm. Musicians tend to not like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. They don't want to embrace it, but they realize they have to. And I think that's true about a lot of entrepreneurs when they first start out, until they get big enough that they could hire people for those things that aren't really in their zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Um, But... So that's, I think, how they're really similar. And musicians a lot of times don't realize that they are entrepreneurs because they're basically running a business. Most of them don't think of it that way, and that's one reason that they don't do well at making money because they're not thinking of themselves as a business. And and, rem- how, and how they're different, I was going to say that um, they're different in that musicians are providing something that's a little less tangible. Like if you're an entrepreneur and you're providing a service or a product, you know, that's pretty obvious what you're providing. With music, you're more providing like an experience, at least from the song or, you know, that you had with the song live. Um, you do have physical products of like CDs and digital downloads and stuff, but it's a, it's a little bit different in how you talk about your quote product as a musician and it's it's a little harder I think to market because it's a little more you know ethereal than just a, here's my product or here's my service and and I would imagine and we'll get into this in a minute because we'll we'll take a, a break just now but I would imagine too it might be a little bit harder as well or a little bit different because we're actually as a musician uh, not that I am one um, but you're marketing yourself too and uh, you know that's different to marketing a that is so true yeah yeah okay well we're going to take a break and when we come back let's look at the top three things you learned as you transitioned into being a successful entrepreneur stay with us we'll be right back Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. 
Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal business lifestyle. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Wow, what a fantastic, amazing, courageous story. We're talking today with Bree Noble and Bree is the founder of femmusician.com and also host of Female Entrepreneur Musician and Bree has an amazing story where she was able to ditch her job as Director of Finance and successfully managed to transition into a successful music career and business. And now, Bree, you help people do just that. So what would you say are the top three things you learned as you transitioned into being a successful entrepreneur? Let's see. So I'd say one major thing coming from a corporate salary as Director of Finance um, that flexibility is worth its weight in gold, like flexibility and freedom. So, you know, maybe I'm not earning what I earned in corporate America, but there's so much, you know, worth in having that flexibility and freedom because, you know, things like, you know, when I have smaller children, they have to stay home from school. Like, that's actually happening right now. My daughter was sick. And, you know, working that out when you're both working parents is hard. You know, having to be home when, you know, something happens with your plumbing and someone needs to fix it. Like, there's just so many things in life that are so difficult when you're both working a full-time job. And then, you know, we have a, our family has a summer home in Maine. And I love to go there. And I love to go there for long periods of time, if possible, and having a business that I can run from there. As long as we have an internet connection. I mean, that is just awesome. I can be like working on my computer and looking out at the lake and then, you know, I can do some work and then I can go outside and go on in the boat, you know. Uh-huh. So I just I just have realized that it's not just about the dollars. There's so much in those those moments of freedom and flexibility. Um, another thing that I've learned is that you're never going to grow if you try to do everything by yourself. So, you know, when you first start as an entrepreneur, you're trying to do everything by yourself. And this is true with musicians, too. Like, yeah, they say, you know, I don't have any money to pay someone to help me. A lot of times there are people that love your music that would be willing to help you along the way for free or for, you know, concert tickets or albums or whatever. And for me, in my experience, there was no way that I was ever going to scale in any way what I do without getting help, you know, having two podcasts and, um, you know, having several newsletters a week and a membership and all those things. I could never run those things by myself. 
Uh-huh. So you know, once you you realize that you are going to be stuck in the same place you're at unless you bring on some help. And sometimes, I mean, for me, when I first brought on help, I took a big hit in my own salary just to pay those people. Mm-hmm. And that was worth it because I knew that the growth would eventually pay me back. I think so that's, a that's really probably good. my second thing. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point there to pick up on too because a lot of our entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, they start out, if you're familiar with the E-Myth by Michael Gerber, we start out as the technician, Mm -hmm. then become the manager and the business owner and it is in that transition where we do need to delegate and and I love that you're honest about saying, well, sometimes when you put somebody on, it does mean that you take a hit in your salary um, but you're looking at the bigger, longer-term picture there. Yeah, oh, I love the e-myth. That's well, actually another thing that's different with musicians. Like The musicians are always a technician, right? They always have to be the one performing. They can never delegate that out, mm-hmm. but they have to then delegate all the other things, the marketing, yes. the booking, the management eventually. Yes, yeah, okay. Um, I'd say my third would definitely be that community is everything as an entrepreneur because you're no longer working at a company. You don't have that you know, um, you know, coffee time with people and connection and everything. And for me, community, maintaining a community has made all the difference in my own growth, you know, being in several different mastermind groups or networking groups, um, even if they're just online, because I live like in the mountains, I live like an hour away from most civilization. So there's not a lot of um, online entrepreneurs that I can talk to in my town but I have a lot of groups that I interact with online and that's really made a difference in my own confidence in my own um, just socialization you know being by yourself and it's true for musicians as well that's one reason why I provide the female um, musician academy is because I want to provide a community for them to network and help each other and not feel so isolated and I can't tell you how many of them say to me it's so nice to not feel alone anymore in this journey Mm-hmm. And I imagine that that would be a particular journey, you know, if you're a creative and you're uh, musically talented and inclined, then that is different to those of us who aren't. And uh, to have somebody else get you as well as the tuition and the support that you provide around having a business. So, um, so how come you made a conscious decision then to focus exclusively on female musicians? You know, I just, number one, I love working with female musicians. And when I started out and created the Women of Substance platform, I did that because I felt like women were underrepresented in the marketplace with their music. And then as I started, you know, working with them to help promote their music, I just made relationships with them. I really enjoyed working with them. And my own experience of having a community group of female artists is what really helped propel me in my music career. I decided that was something that I wanted to create and perpetuate um, with my community. And since I'd already kind of been working with women along the way, it was just a natural step. But also I feel like having exclusively women it just allows for this atmosphere where people can be more open. And I, tr- I have to be so careful with this because I don't want to say that, like, you know, men are condescending or men keep, you know, women make women feel like they can't talk. Like, it's not that. It's just something about being with like-minded people that are in the same, you know, kind of position or situation as you are. You're so much more willing to be 
open about everything that you're going through. And I want to provide that safe environment for them. And that's why I have a community of women. Mm. It's almost like secret women's business, isn't it? It's it's not that you want to exclude. It's just that it's um, there's an understanding there that you know yes. if, you, if you're not part of it, you you you're not going to get it. Yeah, I mean it's just like uh, you know when I was in mom's groups as I had little children, like I just no no dad's going to understand me even if they're a stay-at-home dad. It's just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I don't have children, so as much as I, I love kids and I love being around them, I'm never going to understand what it's like to have given birth to somebody and then to look after them. You know, it's just it's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what do you think that are the main stumbling blocks that keep musicians and other creatives, for that matter, from making money from doing what they love? Well, I think, number one, it's that they have this starving artist mentality. So it's just kind of, it's become like this cliche, oh, you know, I'm a starving artist, or, you know, it's it's just understood that I'm not going to charge anything for my music, or I'm going to be on the street corner with my guitar case open and, and just hope that I get enough money for a meal. Like, no. Music needs to be valued and it is valued. Think about what people pay to go see major artists. So it's not that music isn't valued, it's that we're not remembering the value of what we have to offer and we're not exuding that. Like I find so many musicians have a really hard time when they're making booking calls having the conversation about money. Mm-hmm. You know, because they don't know how to start the conversation or they don't feel confident within themselves to be able to say what they need in order to make it worth their while to come. And I found that, you know, once I got to the point where I said, you know what, I really can't afford to go out for any more than X mm-hmm. because, you know, I knew in my mind, like, okay, I'd have to get a babysitter or, you know, I have to have to get transportation or whatever. I need help to transport my equipment. You know, as soon as you come to that in your mind and you're okay giving up the gig if they say no, mm-hmm. that is when the door opens for for a money conversation because you say, you know, first of all, you ask what their budget is, you kind of feel them out, and then if they say, like, lower than you're expecting, you just say, well, I really, you know, have decided that I can't afford to come out for less than X. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can make some headway with the money. And if you have to give up the gig, then you have to be okay with that. But if you're not, and you take that gig, you're just going to feel resentful the whole time because you know you're not being paid what you're worth. So that's like one of the major things is just not knowing how to talk about money, not knowing, not thinking right about the value of what you offer. And I think that's true too, like for practitioners and for creatives in other areas, it is that that value and that self-worth and being able to articulate it. And as you say, it's not that the music is not valued. I can remember seeing some Facebook posts from some of my friends just recently in Australia and Adele was uh, having a concert and there were people that were euphoric because they had gotten a ticket and there were other people who were devastated and they sold out within half an hour 
power. And mm. uh, yeah, it's just I- incredible. So um, I'm guessing then that a lot of what you teach within your academy and within your community is um, how to not only have those conversations, but you've got to have that self-worth and that um, that courage within you, I'm guessing. Yeah. And it starts with building your confidence and knowing that you put on a good show. So I always encourage people to like, you know, start out by just doing a lot of gigs that maybe are free, but they're building your confidence, knowing how to interact with the audience. And then you know you've got the value, then you can ask for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And and that's similar to uh, speaking as well. You know, when people are first starting out as a speaking career, then we go to the Rotary, the Kiwanis, all of the networking groups and that because that's how you do get known and get your experience. So we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, let's look at uh, for music and musicians, what are, what are available and most common income streams and how they can be applied to other creative industries. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it. Hear it. Feel it. Have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your ideal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, we're talking with Bree Noble today, and Bree is the founder of. Now, let me just check, get, make sure I get this right here. Um, femmusician.com and also the host for the podcast Female Entrepreneur Musician. And we've been talking with Bree today, who has given up a, a very secure job. And um, as a finance director to follow her dream of becoming a female musician and then through the success of that is now helping other female entrepreneurs and as we've spoken with Brie earlier today she's been saying it was a conscious decision to choose to work with female entrepreneurs 
And I just want to tick-tack back on that, Bree, because when we're very clear about the people that we work with, it becomes very easy to start to market to that and to be able to put our messages out. And so we don't try and be all things to everybody. And just as you've decided, I work with female musicians, then I'm guessing too, that makes it easier for your musicians once they decide, well, perhaps what genre that they want to focus on or to specialize in. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we were just talking about that, trying to determine their genre, which sometimes is hard, I think, for people because people tend to think, oh, I'm unique, like I don't sound like anybody else, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of musicians out there. I can guarantee you sound somewhat like somebody. Otherwise, your music is too weird and nobody would want to listen to it. So, you know, it, once you kind of figure out that genre that you're in, your micro niche, um, you know, whether it's like new grass or Americana or uh, modern country or, um, you know, EDM or, you know, just more specific than just like pop rock, then you can start to look and see what those other artists are doing that you look up to in your genre, you know, the kind of places that they're playing at or maybe where they played at two years ago if they're way ahead of you and try to kind of follow a path that they've led, you know, in front of you. And that's really helpful. You can kind of see places that they've been featured in online or in traditional um, news periodicals and magazines and then maybe go out and, and pitch those places. And if you can, like like I said, follow them, you know, see what they did two years ago if they're kind of two years ahead of you and how much notoriety they have if you're new. And if you can go back and do that kind of research on them, that will help you decide a trajectory of where you could go and what kind of opportunities you could seek for yourself. Wow, it just reminds me as you were saying that, that you know, success leaves clues and and so what you're saying there is find someone that's been successful doing what you want to do and then follow that pathway and it reminds me years ago when I was wanting to get myself known in the town in Australia where I was living and working at the time, just started my business and it just happened that I was speaking for the chamber and then I had an article in the chamber magazine and I think I had an ad and there was something else and then as it happened after that, people used to go to the chamber and they'd say, oh, we want to do exactly what Shirley did. And you think, wow, you know, we, we stumbled across this little formula. And so um, I'm hearing that loud and clear. What you're saying there is success leaves clues. And then you can actually research that and then put your path together. And speaking about musicians and music, what are the available and most common income streams? And would you say these could be applied to other creative industries? Well, some of them can and some of them are pretty specific. So, I mean, you know, obviously concerts, they can kind of relate to, you know, speaking if you're a different kind of creative. Mm -hmm. But um, there's lots of different kinds of concerts. So, you know, you can do um, everything from coffee houses to large venues to small venues to, you know, I have some of my students have regular gigs at like restaurants that, you know, they come every week and they get paid a hundred dollars and plus tips and, you know, and they can sell CDs and stuff. Um, you know, you can play in, in hotel bars and it just depends on the kind of thing you want to do. I always encourage my musicians to 
look into house concerts because it's kind of a, a newer way, um, kind of a hip way of getting real music lovers together instead of playing at like a bar where nobody's listening to what you're performing and they're just thinking about, you know, the girl next to them and if they can get them to, you know, go home with them that night or whatever, you know, they're not listening to whatever the music is. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a lot of places out there where musicians have been forced to play because they think that's the only places they can play and they're not really reaching potential fans. Mm -hmm. So finding a, a few really good fans that are willing to host house concerts and they invite, you know, 20, 30, 40 of their friends and introduce them to you as an artist. That's the best way to make really strong fan connections because it's like you're being endorsed by someone that they trust. Wow. So that's, that's kind of what I encourage. Um, I encourage my musicians to start out in places where they can get comfortable with themselves, like in a coffee house or at an open mic, you know, if they're really new. And until they can really feel like they can carry a stage and know how to interact with an audience, then they can move up to something like house concerts because it's pretty easy to jump into that. All you need is a few fans or just even friends that are willing to host something like that and you can have a great experience. It can get you so excited about what you're doing um, because you've got this intimate atmosphere where they're like right in front of you and you're getting constant feedback from the audience and then you get to meet them in person and you know really feel like you've connected with these people and I guarantee you if people come to your house concert they're going to be way more likely to go to any other shows. They're going to be way more likely to buy your music and support you. And, you know, house concerts can be a great source of income because depending on whether you do it ticketed or donation, I love the donation model because it allows people to give based upon the excitement that's within them at the moment from the experience that they've had. They're going to be really generous and they're just going to want to give back for what you've given to them. Wow, and that's really out of the box thinking. Uh, you know, mm. yeah, I'm just imagining that the people that are listening to us today are be sh nodding their head and smiling away because uh, you know that really is out of the box. And uh, I was going to make a, a point on that too. In um, there's a phrase that I've coined called network ancestry and you know how we have our um, our DNA ancestry you know who was your mother your father your grandmother your um, aunties uncles cousins etc well if you look at networking there's everything that's happened in your life you can generally trace that back and pinpoint it to somebody that you met who introduced you to somebody else mm -hmm. and and what you're doing there is is actually setting up where you can actually create this little uh, ancestry tree for your musicians to get connected as you say and to go and um, perform at a house concert I love the concept I think it's fantastic so, yeah I don't know if you know but there's actually a um, like a house concert network uh, site for Australia that I actually interviewed her on my podcast um, Lisa Ashton and she she runs the house concerts Australia I didn't know cool. that they have different different networks for different countries Wow how exciting <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that uh, Wow 
<laughs> and and so when you think about that in terms of income, you know, it is really thinking outside the box. And I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing Karen Jacobson, who's another fellow Aussie, and she came over to New York to make it big and uh, had been studying at the Conservatorium of Music and was wanting to be a singer-songwriter answered an ad in the paper and ended up becoming the GPS girl through a voiceover and now is in over a billion um, devices all around the world. So when we're, <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about income, there are you know plenty of ways that it could show up. Oh, there are. I mean, actually, one of the singer-songwriters I featured on the radio station is the voice of Siri. Mm -hmm. So on you know on all the Macintosh devices, like imagine that your income came from just saying hundreds and hundreds of words as the voice of Siri. Like there are so many ways that you can, as a musician, you can do that kind of work. You can do like simple, you know, voiceover or demo work. I certainly did a, a lot of demo work when I was an individual musician because it was a good supplement for what I was doing. I would help out songwriters. They'd pay me. Um, and then you can do things like music licensing. So you can um, get your songs into commercials and television and film, um, you know, of all different levels. And that can be another income stream as well. Um, there's actually really a lot of income streams when it comes to musicians. There's, there's a lot that you might not have thought of. Um, you know, things like you can... Um, have your songs used in like a private video for um, photographers that make videos for individuals. I mean, there's like a lot of ways your music can be licensed that you haven't even thought of. So sometimes you might just want to put your music out there with certain companies that do that and they find all those opportunities for you. I mean, I had my music when I recorded a version of the National Anthem and it was used in somebody's fireworks display and wow. I got paid something for that. Yeah, so you never know where your music might be used if you put it out there in a place where people can find it. And I think the message that I'm hearing is here that um, if you really want to do something and you really have a passion and a burning desire, then to do like you did and to actually go for it because there are plenty of ways that you can make money through your passion and it doesn't have to be that traditional way. You know, if you think about music, we think, oh, I might want to be a rock star and nothing else is going to satisfy me and yet if it's that you're wanting to be um, singing or playing music, then as you say, there are lots and lots of ways that you can actually have that. And you really are starting to create that lifestyle for yourself, which is something that we're on about here at Reclaim Your Freedom is to help people create their ideal business lifestyle. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, let's look at the productivity and mindset advice that you have for busy mums and dads that are trying to run um, a growing business from home. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? 
Just Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Ideal Business Lifestyle. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And welcome back. And we've been talking today with Bree Noble. And Bree works with female musicians and helps them to create both a business and a life that they love. And so we don't have all females on our audience today. So, Bree, what productivity and mindset advice do you have for both busy mums and dads that are trying to run a growing business from home? I would say that, number one, you need to put like a zone of productivity around you when you are working. So, you know, instead of just kind of half working, which I think is what we tend to do when we're at home, we think that we can work while we're, you know, conversing with our kids, while we're having our kids do their homework, while we're, you know, doing, uh, people are doing other things around you. And I think what's better is to just completely segregate work and not work. Mm-hmm. And when you're working, just really, really focus on that and take away all of your distractions if you know, if you've got like a phone or, you know, any tabs on your computer that might distract you like Facebook or even your email, like when you're being productive, focus on that only and not other things. And then the time that you spend working is going to be less because you're not going to be distracted. It's also important, I think, to figure out your peak times in the day and set that aside aside as your work time. Because, you know, like for me, I know that after 6 p.m., I am not going to be productive. Like, that's just how I am. I wake up at 5, and I'm productive at that time, but I'm terrible at 6 p.m. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I set my day such that, you know, 6 p.m. and after is time that I spend with my family because I know I can't do work anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's smart. And and for me, being in, in America from Australia, really interesting for me is that I'm finding that my work time is actually now in the afternoons and evenings because it's mornings in Australia, so I'm still conversing with people over there. And I find when I'm here in the morning, I just want to enjoy it, you know, just travel around, have a look around and, and relax. And so I think that's a really good point. 
the peak times that you work and then uh, back on the productivity uh, I know Alex Mondosian always says he has a hat and he puts on his little cap and when he's being productive he's got the cap on and um, and that means don't interrupt and uh, yes very smart having a sign or something that you put up if you can't have a separate room I tend to just come down to my studio because I know that it takes people a lot of trouble to go down a flight of stairs through the garage and into the studio to bother me. (laughs) (laughs) So you escape. (laughs) Yes, a little bit, but I I let them know these are my work hours. You know, I'll be back. Don't worry. Yes, and and my husband and I worked together and when we first started together and and we were sharing from home and that was a strategic thing that I did. I used to have an office and I thought, well, if I can work from home where we were, we could work from anywhere in the world, which is what we're doing. But when he first started working with me, it would be nothing for him to just walk in and start leaning on the door and stop and start talking to me. And I, I would just about go bananas because that wouldn't happen in the corporate world where I used to work you know people would knock or they'd make an appointment and uh, anyway we had to have a few chats about that so I love that around the productivity (laughs) yep for sure (laughs) any other tips on that um I would just say that it's important to really have like a routine that helps you get into your work day so even if that's just 10 minutes of like I'm going to get my um, my you know glass of water. I'm going to say a few affirmations, and I'm going to um, you know maybe do a few stretches or something like just having kind of a routine that gets you into your work time. I don't know. We're just creatures of habit. Like once we go through that, we feel like okay, now we're ready. But if we don't do that, we might not feel like we've moved into the work zone. And I think that's a really good point because if you go out to work, then you really do do that. You know, you walk in, you put your bag down, you put your lunch in the fridge or Mm -hmm. you'll go and get a glass of water from the water cooler and say hello to people and then, yes, you do. And, in fact, in um, our job descriptions we used to put down people had to be ready to work at their workstation by work time so it wasn't come in at nine o'clock if that was your time and then get your cup of tea or coffee and then put your bag down no come in beforehand and I think that's a really good point there is to have that ritual that says okay now I'm starting right So, Brie, you've shared such a lot of information with us today, both from a musician's point of view um, as an entrepreneur and having a business and also for entrepreneurs and leaders in general. So can you just uh, tell us a little bit about what's in your academy and your community? Sure. So we have a lot of training in there to help people with whatever stage they're at um, in their music career. So I kind of have it broken down into these five different stages. And when you first come in, we figure out what stage you're at right now, and then we start you there. So you're not doing things that are too easy for you. You're not doing things that are ahead of where you are. You're in just in the right stage and getting the training that's right for you. Mm-hmm. And then we have group coachings twice a month where we all go on a Zoom call and we see each other face-to-face, and um, they can ask me questions. They can get input from people in the group. It feels like a real community meeting. And we have expert workshops. People come in once a month on a specific topic that um, people are interested in learning about. 
and that's really great um, to get a new perspective every month. And then, you know, we have our Facebook group where everybody's talking every single day, sharing their wins, their struggles. It's just, it's a real community and support system as well as a training platform. Okay, so you've got training, you've got support, uh, ask the experts. So people aren't feeling isolated. They're in a community of like-minded people. And listeners, if you if you think about that, there's also another formula that Bree has just given you too. You know, if you're wanting to develop a community, then there are some of the, the key points for you as well. So Bree, where can people find out more about you? you? You've got two podcasts, you've got your community. Well, I recommend, when we were talking earlier about streams of income, I would definitely go check out femmusician.com slash income where you can get my 19 proven sources of income that you probably haven't considered for your music business. That should help you um, jumpstart your career a little bit or give you some new ideas if you're already mid-career. Uh, and then just check out the podcast. The Female Entrepreneur Musician is such a great experience to learn from other musicians that are having success with their career on that podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and that reminds us of that point again, that success does leave clues. And so by listening and, and observing and researching other successful people, then you too can learn and succeed. And today, that's what you've done for us, Bree. You've inspired us. You've told us your story. And we can learn from that. And we can take courage from that as well. So that, you know, if you can do it, then there's no reason why we can't. So listeners, are you inspired? I hope so. You know my mission is to inspire, educate and support you to be, do, have and feel what you want. And I don't know about you, but I've loved hearing Bree's story today. So Bree, thanks so much for sharing with us today. It was fantastic. Listeners, I trust you'll take some time to lean in and listen to yourself and what Bree shared today. And if it's appropriate for you, identify that one small action step that you can take to reclaim your freedom and continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.